The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Thank you. Wasn't that cool? You gotta love that song. It's got sun, it's got hope, it's got tomorrow being just a day away. And then you think, oh, wait a second, this is Half Moon Bay. The sun may not come out tomorrow. In fact, on the coast, the sun doesn't come out tomorrow. In fact, we might not even see the sun till next August. What do we do till then? We are talking about how to hear God's voice above the noise because in this world that we live in, there is just a lot of noise, a lot of things that are going on. We live in a world of craziness and nuttiness and pain and COVID and politics and discouragement and problems. How can I hear what God is saying to me? Above all that stuff, how, how can I hear that? And in a few minutes, we want to talk about how to hear God's hope and how to get God's peace and all that when the sun isn't coming out. Not today and maybe not tomorrow. How do you hear God's voice above that? And that's what really today is going to be all about. Finding hope when the sun's not there. Finding God, learning to place your trust in him when life's not going so well. And understanding that God listens, God speaks, God hears, God cares, and God works in our lives. And so we are going to spend a few moments now focusing upon him. We call that worship. Worship is where we begin to understand God's goodness and love to us and then express back to him our thankfulness for who he is. So let's take a moment and just quiet and still our hearts before him. Hey everybody, um, before I get into the message, I just want to make a couple quick announcements. On June the 13th, we are going to be having a of a welcome home party because on June the 20th, the weekend after, we're going to open up this place. We're going to be indoor for live worship, and you're all invited to come to that. The week before is June 13th. We're going to be having our outdoor service, and we're going to be having foods, 1045. You're invited to come to that. Now, one of the cool things about opening up, it's like we can really, really have an impact again on a lot of lives and a lot of kids, and we are now opening up the opportunity for you to actually transform and change the lives of children. Studies have proven again and again and again the happiest people are those that serve and get involved in the lives of others. And we want to give you every opportunity for that. If you would like to be part of changing kids' lives here at Mariner's Church, please let us know. Text us, email us, let us know, and we'd love to help plug you in and change the life of a kid. Hey, wouldn't it be great if, if Annie's song really was always true, that the sun comes out tomorrow? I mean, don't you wish that? Don't you wish the sun will always, always, always come out tomorrow? Things are going to get better, that in fact tomorrow will be better than today? I once read that they have calculated what is called the prime of life. I mean, the prime time of your life. The age when you are physically going to be the strongest and mentally the sharpest and emotionally most able to handle stress. All of those things come together. It's called the prime of life. And what is that age? Ready for this? 25. 
25 years old. Now, after that, it's all what? It's all downhill. Now, brain cells begin to die after that. The blood doesn't carry as much oxygen. Your muscles are not as strong. You forget what you just said, and you forget what you just said. Now, I read that when I was 26 years old, and I thought, oh, no, you know, it's just going to get worse from, from here. And I don't know if you remember that old Clairol hair coloring commercial. You're not getting older, you're getting what? Yeah, better. And if you remember that commercial, you're not getting older, you are older. And we can laugh, but really there are some things that do take their toll in life. And we can say the sun will come out tomorrow and every cloud has a silver lining and every rain brings a rainbow. Um, but sometimes it doesn't happen that well. And sometimes it doesn't work that easily. Things fall apart. Doctor's reports come back and they're bad. You get served divorce papers. And traumas in life will cause lasting, enduring, forever scars. How can I really depend on God when things are not, not just getting not better, they're actually getting worse? How can I trust? How can I have hope in God in that? And that's what I want to talk about for just a few moments. In the Bible book called Haggai, and it's a small book, and it's one that's really hard to find in your Bibles. You've got to use your table of contents. But it's a great, great book. And what's going on in Haggai's time, and he's a prophet, is this. The people of Israel, really, they got conquered by the Babylonians, and the Babylonians trashed the place. They just ruined Jerusalem and Judea and all that area. And the people were taken as exiles, just you know, carried off, away, away, away for a period of time, like, 70 years period of time. And it would be kind of like us being deported or moved out for about 70 years into the Central Valley. And finally a new king says, okay, okay, you guys can go home now. And so we load up our stuff and we come back after 70 years. And we get back to Half Moon Bay, we get back to the coastside and, and we say, ugh, you know, yuck, what happened? You know, what a, what a mess. After 70 years, the city was, was a mess. Their houses were a mess. And I have to add this in because this is going to be really important for us just to kind of keep in our heads for the next couple moments. The center of everything in Jerusalem, in their main city, was the temple. I mean, that was like the big deal. The temple was there. Why? It's because it was symbolic of God being central, taking center part in their lives. And so it was like the, the center in the capital city and the big city, and it was in the center of the city, and, and they wanted God to be central of their lives. And so, boom, they, 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 they put it there, and, and they were the people of God who represented him to the world. I mean, that's what they wanted, and that's the presence of the temple. And, and they were supposed to show the world how central and important God is to them. And that's why they wanted a temple, and that's why they needed a temple, and that's why the temple was there. And God's presence among the people was represented by the temple. And they built a nice one, and they built a big one, and they used it for worship, and they worshiped it for praise and, and sacrifices. It was all going on, 
in the temple. Well, when the Babylonians came through, they trashed that too, and they tore it down, ripped it apart, and carried everything off. And now, if you're like the people of God, and you want to show that God's with you, and you don't have a temple, that's like embarrassing, you know, and they were a little bit embarrassed by that. And so, in the book of Haggai, it says this, they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord Almighty. They began work on it, and they finally kind of got their heads around what they had to do, and they said, let's do this, you know. Let's do this. We can. We're going to make the temple the biggest, the bestest, the most beautifulest temple that anybody has ever seen. And so they get, they get architects, and they get drawings, and they have baked sales and fundraisers, and they begin to raise the money for it, and they get contractors and crews that wear Carhartt, you know, and use power tools and ratchets and sockets and cool stuff like that. And then the footings are, are, are built and the foundations are, are, are poured. And then after that, the exterior walls begin to come up and, and then the roof goes over and then the interior walls are being built. And then they start doing the flooring and then the trim and the fixtures and the paint and then the window coverings. And there's, they kind of stand back and they say, yep, looks like we got us a temple as they're walking around, and people are excited, and they're pretty happy with it. And I love this part, because Haggai is going to move into this, and it says this, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Okay, God's going to ask them three questions, three questions now that they're, they're, the second temple is being built, is built, and this is God. God asks this, first question, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now, kind of weird questions, and, and, and we have to remember that this is temple number two. The first temple was called Solomon's Temple, and let's use some words to talk about Solomon's Temple, okay? Like, let's use the word awesome, and fabulous, and amazing, and phenomenal, and marvelous, and astounding, because it was. It was one of the ancient wonders of the world. There was gold everywhere. I mean, there was gold this, and there was gold that, and there was purple fabric here and there, and plush carpets, and ornate carvings covered with gold, and Sistine Chapel, that's like a garage compared to this temple. The Vatican, that's like a storage shed. I mean, this was the real deal, just awesome. Temple. Whoa. That was temple number one. But that temple got burned down, torn down, torn apart, carried off. That was then. This is now. Again, let's go back to the questions, can we? First question. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Meaning, who saw temple number one? How many of you saw temple number one? And there would be a bunch of old folks who you know, saw the first temple, and now they're looking at the second one, number two. How big is the second one? About half the size of the first. Instead of beautiful oak paneling, well, they got a good deal on some pretty good clean plywood. And they didn't have any gold, so we used yellow spray paint, and we didn't have silver, so we covered things in aluminum foil, and we didn't have carpet, but Floor Depot had a sale on linoleum, and we didn't have any carvings, so the kids from Mrs. Meyer's third grade class 
found some really cool rocks and they painted them some nice colors. God asks, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? God asks this, and, and it's an awkward situation. I mean, how would you answer that one? Well, God, it's your temple. I mean, you helped us get this thing going. It's like God saying, hey, how do you like my new temple? How do you like my new temple? I drive, I drive, I drive a minivan. I'm a proud owner of a very old minivan. And I'll sometimes ask people, you know, hey, how do you like my ride, you know? And, and they don't know what to say, you know? They don't know if I'm being serious or kidding. I mean, it's a minivan and an old one. And God asks them, hey, you saw my first temple. What do you think of my new one? And, and I'm sure the people want to be polite. I know I would. Well, God, you know, it's, it's a temple, you know. It's, it's, it's a nice temple. I mean, I really like that the plywood is not very warped on that, on that, on that wall. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Again, go over the questions. This is God asking, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Well, God, it's nice, I guess. I like the tinfoil angel. And God, was, God is saying to them, and he's forcing them to look at it. God is saying, hey, let's be real about this. It's not very good. I know it. You know it. Heck, we all know it. You wanted the temple to be better. It's, it's not. And here is what we need to begin to learn for us. That's a lot like life. We want the next time we do it to be better. We want the next thing that we do to be better, you know? Problem is, is we get to be 25 years old. And after 25, things don't always get better. You don't get better. You get older. But, and this is the point here, this is the real point here. Just because temples don't get better and suns don't come out tomorrow and life doesn't get better doesn't mean God says that I'm not doing something because I am. Just because this temple's not better doesn't mean I'm not doing something. And he would say to me, Paul, just because your life doesn't seem to be getting better, it's getting worse, doesn't mean I'm not doing something. Because I am. Goes on. God says this, this is what the Lord Almighty says, and, and whenever I hear those terms, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I think, okay, the big guns are coming out, you know. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. It's like, whoa, that is big gun stuff. You know, something big is coming. God says this, I will shake the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house, not this house, but this little, tiny, second-rate house. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. 
I can take second-rate temples, and I can take broken lives, and I can take things that aren't as good as you think they could be, and guess what? I can fill it with my glory. And here's where I get all awestruck by this stuff. And I want to apply it to the temple, but then I also want to apply it to your life and my life even now. Let's take the temple first, okay? I said before the temple is symbolic of the presence of God in the place. The temple is symbolic of God's presence here, and you would in those days go to the temple to, quote, meet God. That's where you'd go, right? People would go to temple number one, and it's awesome. You know, it's wonderful, and it's ornate, and you just feel like just by walking in, you're in the presence of God. Well, it gets torn down. And temple number two is not as good, not even close. And people would go to temple number two and to try and meet God, but it's not so nice. But God is planting a seed in this, and this is important for us to grasp and realize. God is saying, you know what? Temple number one was nice. Temple number two is not so nice. Maybe you don't even need a temple. God would be saying. Do you ever think of that? Maybe it's not the, the richness and the beauty of the temple that's important. Maybe it's just coming to meet with me. Eventually, in AD 70, several hundred years later, there's going to be no temple. None. Well, it goes on and it says this, and this is God saying, what is desired by all nations will come. And this little temple, I will fill this house with, with glory, says the Lord Almighty. And that's a big deal when God's going to fill something with his glory. And what God is saying is, watch what I can do in this little temple here. Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do in the not-so-nice temple, the sun-not-coming-out temple. Something's going to come into this place, the desire of nations. Well, what does that mean? What does desire of nations mean? What does every person in every nation deep down desire or need? Well, peace and love, most importantly, the presence of God with them, the closeness of God with them. It's like something that everyone wants and needs. In fact, that's what the temple symbolically was about anyway, the presence of God. And what God is saying is, guess what? Something's going to be happening in this temple that's never happened before, ever, ever, ever. In this one, right here. You see, in about 500 years, that little temple, that podunk temple, it'll have some new coats of paint on it, and it got torn down a little bit more, and they kind of built it up and have some spackle here and, and there. About 500 years in that little temple... That which is desired by all nations will come. That which the temple is all about in the first place will come. How? Well, there's going to be a, a young couple. And they're going to make their way, actually, from about five miles out of town towards the temple because that's what young couples did when they have a newborn baby, a son. They won't have much. Just them and their little child. And they're going to dedicate this child. Where do you dedicate a child? You dedicate a child in the temple. 
and the mom's name is Mary, and the dad or the father or her husband is named Joseph. And the baby they'll be carrying is Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God present with us. What's the temple all about? To symbolically reveal that God is with us. Well, what happens when Jesus comes in? It's the real deal. Do you see what God is saying? Jesus is presence of God with us, the very point of the temple. This is what the Bible says. Jesus is the very image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, for him. The purpose of the temple is to reveal to the people that the presence of God is with them. And now God is. In this quote, second best, worst thing, sun not coming out, here's God. And what God is going to be saying is, look, I'm making this worse on purpose. Why? So that you might see that this life and this world may not get better. Your life may not get better, but I bring better out of a world not getting better. God can do that. God can bring better out of a world and a life that's just not going to get better. Because sometimes we're told, hey, hang on, it's going to get better. You'll see, but this will prove it doesn't always. But God is in this, always, in a big way, always. In other words, the sun will not always come out tomorrow, but it's okay. And sometimes we have to be honest that life will oftentimes get worse. Never better. But that has nothing to do with God's presence, power, and strength with us. You know, you, you, you always think, you know, I guess after I was 25, you know, you begin to think do mortality because before that you're invincible. You can do anything, you know, anything. I remember I used to do some rock climbing and I'd scramble rocks here and there and when I'd go fishing I'd jump from rock to rock and boulder to boulder. Now what do I do? You know, it's like a, uh, 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 and I step down and I crawl up the other one because I know I'm vulnerable now and all of a sudden I start thinking through, I'm not, I'm not Superman anymore. And you know what? One day, someday, I'm going to meet with the doctors, and they're going to be looking at a chart, and they will say to me, well, Paul, guess what? This is going to probably take you out. This is it. That's life. At some point in time, the doctors will say, you're not going to recover from this. It's not going to get better. I love what the Bible says. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, meaning we're clay jars, we're pots, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. It's not from us. I just think God does great works in jars of clay and worn-out temples. He always has, he always will. 
God works just as well when things are worse. And so it says this in Haggai 2. It says, Be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you peoples of the land, declares the Lord. I'm with you. This is what I promised you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains among you. Don't fear. Don't fear. God's presence is here. This is a story not about a temple. It's a story about God and Jesus and you and what he can do in your life when you're over the hill or going downhill or not recovering or not getting better and tomorrow the sun doesn't come out and it's just going to get foggier and God works in ways and life may be collapsing in spades. Your life might not get better, but that doesn't matter. Because God is working, and God is there. And because God is working and God is there, he can then bring the desire of nations, Jesus, to work through this jar of clay and your jar of clay. And there's a God who seems to be able to take falling apart things and things that aren't as good as they once were and make something awesome happen within. And that's the greatness of this whole thing. This second-rate temple, the best days of it were way ahead. And maybe you're thinking, I'm just second-rate myself. Your best days ahead are always there when Jesus works in you. And that's the point. The point of this whole thing. Of what you're going through. Pray with me. Lord, I, th I just, I thank you that, boy... We can't lose in this with you. We can't. If the sun comes out tomorrow, it's going to be great, and you're there. If the sun doesn't, it's great, and you're going to be there because you can work through us. And I thank you that you tell us that we can be strong. You're with us. We can take courage. We don't have to be afraid. And I thank you, Father, that when we yield and open our lives to you, as second rate as we are, or second best as we are, or falling apart as we are, you do great things through us. And so we invite you, I ask all of us, you where you're at right now, we say, God, do things in me, through me, not in spite of what I'm going through, but because of it, please. And show me how. And give me strength and courage and comfort in Jesus' name.